You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, welcome to the Get Fucking Real Show. I'm Lisa Cherney. I'm your host. And I am honored to have a platform that people are listening to, (laughs) to support y'all in your journey to getting real, to speaking your truth, to living your truth. And now more than ever, that is really freaking important. And I am thrilled that as the universe would have it, I got to interview an amazing woman, Parshel Tashi, and she happens to be a black woman. And that was really awesome that that was divinely orchestrated because um, Parshel and I wound up having a very frank conversation about the racial conversation that's happening in the country. And it was like, One of those things where I know that if that wasn't part of the conversation happening, it wouldn't, of course, be anything that I would have brought up. But I just felt in my my drive to be completely authentic with people that I'm in any kind of connection or relationship with to to put it out there and ask her how she was doing. And we wound up deciding that the bonus teaching segment that we create with all of our guests for our GFR squad members, which is our uh, paid, very, very low level pay payment required, but paid nonetheless um, membership community where we are all united in our mission to get fucking real. We decided to create a video for just for that group that's called What Can I Do No Matter Who You Are? And I have to tell you, it was one of the greatest honors in my career to have this conversation with Parshel because it was such a profound opportunity for a black person and a white person to just have a conversation and talk about really, really important issues. So um, if you're not a member of the GFR squad yet, go ahead and join us to receive this training amongst Others, um, many others, if you've been listening to the show, you know that every single guest contributes some kind of awesome conversation, valuable training. Sometimes I'm the guinea pig. (laughs) Um, Sometimes we are birthing um, really cutting edge conversations right on the spot that are just, you know, for a smaller, more curated group of people that we know are really committed 
or at least very interested in leaning into the mission of Get Fucking Real, which is the more fucking real we are, the more impact and the money that we will make, you know, as a people, as a mission group of mission-driven entrepreneurs. So please lean into that. That's gfr.life forward slash squad. And also recently we've added in there training specific to the 12 GFR commandments. So if you're enjoying the structure that those provide in terms of a roadmap for getting real, you can dive into them more in a practical way also through your squad membership at only $20 a month or 200 for the year. So that's a scoop on that. And I hope you'll join us over there um, in particular to get a role frank and very useful uh, training around what you can do, white, black, person of color, everything in between. Um, we said no matter who you are. And there are very practical things as well as some uh, very universal things that we can all relate to. Also, Parshell is here because she has an amazing life story uh, that really helped her to birth her current mission as a conscious video producer. She's just such a neat lady. I had a chance to meet her in person back in September. No, no, excuse me, back in March at an event. And as soon as I met her, I said, I need to have you on the show like right away. And that was before there was any um, additional reasons for that other than just hearing about her story. She used to be a math teacher and used to really know who she was in terms of her relationship to her church and, and religion and sexuality. And she is a completely different person today. And I would love for you to meet that person. So stick around to hear a really very interesting conversation. One of the things that we talk about is the difference between believing something and knowing something. Believing something and knowing something. And this is a distinction that she happened upon in her journey around her, her church and religion. I never thought about the difference between the two, but she really helps me understand that and how she utilized like how she got connected more with that distinction so that she can really discover who she was as a person and as an individual and as a, a woman and as a filmmaker and her, in her contribution to young people, which she still has a, a huge passion for. You will hear about how she now has a class for teens that are filmmakers. So super awesome. Even I'll just add this in another fun thing about Parshall is uh, she was so game for meeting my nephew, who is a filmmaker, that before we even started recording, I gave him the link and he popped in. Uh, you know, kids, have, it's summer and they have a lot of time on their hands. And he was so excited to meet her. And it was a beautiful exchange. This teacher, filmmaker and teacher meeting with this young person who has a, has a passion for film. And she uh, immediately offered to connect him with somebody, a colleague of hers that will help him get more education and what he was wanting to develop. So Right? I mean, can you just see what an awesome lady this, this, this gal Parshall is? So without further ado, I can't wait for you to meet Parshall Tashi. Hello, Parshall Tashi. I'm so excited to get to have this time with you today. I'm excited to be here too. Thank you for having me, Lisa. So I met Parshall at a conference I was at in March of, of 2019. And um, at this conference, it is about finding speakers for your podcast. And um, I told Parshall that if we were on The Voice, I would have been the first chair to turn <laughs> because I just so resonated with what she was sharing and her vulnerability. And, um, you know, we're all about stories here where our struggle had a purpose and it, you know, spit us out the other side into kind of, you know, how we're meant to be expressing and serving in the world. So, um, 
I'm super excited to get to tell your story. Give us the picture of you as a, as a, as a kid. Like, you know, when you think back to, you know, when we think, I know when I think back to myself as a kid, it's like, not only I was, I was about to say I was a different person, but not just because I was younger, you know, I just know that I had different, a different viewpoint, right, on how the world worked or what I wanted or a different viewpoint on my parents. And, you know, I was just telling my daughter that I never wanted to have kids. <laughs> you know, that was like just something that was a, who I was. I just didn't want to have kids. And I don't know why, but obviously that changed. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's, it's always interesting to kind of look back at that snapshot of, you know, who we were and, you know, how we thought things worked. And so, yeah, what do you want to share with us about about that sort of the the before before that is Parshel? Yeah, the the before before the before uh, was actually quite rebellious. <laughs> I think if you were to describe me, I I definitely I got along with with everyone. Um, always really good friends with people in, in the neighborhood, outside of the house. But in the house, I was pretty much rebellious, and I always spoke up or was getting trouble for speaking up because I didn't really care for how something was go, you know, was happening. And that started to develop and get louder as I got older, just, just things that I, I didn't quite understand and um, that weren't really clear to me. And one of those for sure was this conversation of like God and hell and things of the nature that I started to understand and know at a young age. And so that actually, in a sense, was, it was a difficult thing for me because I knew, I knew, for example, like being in church, I knew that I wanted to, uh, you know, to, to know what this God was about. And there was always the invitation at church to come up and, you know, to the altar and give your life to, to God and things of that nature. But I often struggled with that. And I never did that. I never went up there because uh, I just didn't really think it was anyone else's business. <laughs> what my decision was at the end of the day. And, and I didn't feel comfortable discovering that or understanding what that was with everybody watching me, you know? And so that, that was just an experience that, that really has stuck with me. I mean, Sunday after Sunday, it, it was always this thing where I just wrestled inside about wanting to go up, but not wanting everybody to be a part of it. I thought it was something that was very much up to me. And so I just kind of saw the world through that lens. And I think over time, uh, bit by bit, I just started to just become a little bit more rebellious and just, you know, being an asshole at home, stuff like that. But Did it start uh, there? Like, yeah. did your rebellious nature or that feeling like I'm thinking differently? I, I feel like I know, I feel like I'm thinking differently and wanting to act differently than is expected of me would be as how I'm defining rebellious. Yeah, I think, I think it, it came to be more prominent once I hit middle school, because that's where, you know, the idea of who you are as a woman or whatever gender you are um, started to come more into my awareness, you know, like, for example, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, this will be very raw, but I, well, it just doesn't matter. I wanted to start shaving my legs because all the other girls had, smooth legs but for some reason I started growing hair on my legs and I didn't understand and I didn't really get any support like that around what to do um, because my mom didn't shave her legs so um, that kind of whereas I think started a bit of me just being upset because I, I, so many things were happening and I needed a way to understand it I just said if there's somebody to show me how this works or what's supposed to happen things will come together but 
it, it, did, it didn't seem to. And it seemed to be like this common thread even in church and what it meant to be in a relationship with God that was like, I didn't quite understand that either. So that was frustrating to an extent. So I tried different ways to um, be and do what I thought was necessary, you know, just to, just to learn who I am uh, to be myself. Yeah, that, that middle school age, darn it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah. it's, there's so much going on. I'm, like your body, right? Your, your body is like, you're turning into something like, you know, like, it's like you, some, some being is taking over your body, growing hair in places that, you know, didn't have hair <laughs> before. And, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and, and if you're a female, you know, cisgendered female, there's breasts happening and, you know, and protruding from your body and, you know, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting. And then that's the physical context, right? And then there's the context of to, to be disagreeing with people of authority, you know, and we've always been so encouraging, if I could dare say, of my daughter to disagree with authority, um, like, or to, mm -hmm. to, to give her permission to, you don't have to, just because, you know, she had a dance coach that was an ass and, you know, she had to go to the bathroom and he wouldn't let her go to the bathroom or like, well, no, 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 that's not okay. Just to say like, you take care of your body. You are in charge of your body. You know what works, what doesn't work. And of course you're setting the stage for all kinds of empowerment around body and all that. But it's just, it, there's so much that happens um, at that age. So I, I could see where you're coming from. And the leg shaving thing, it's, it's significant. It's, it's, you could say it's like a little thing, but it, especially if you, you, you're, you found that you had a different desire than the way that your mom was expressing and yes yeah it just it just was weird it just was weird awkward i mean <laughs> just you know <laughs> things that uh yeah just made it difficult you know just was super awkward yeah and it sounds like the church and your religion was a big part of your family's life so 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 feeling incongruent there was a significant thing we were in church a lot uh, we were not the family that was there just on sundays but you see all the other events that are going on at the church we were at those two <laughs> and we were just always super involved and always just present there. So a lot of what you learn and you understand about how to govern yourself and uh, just in the routine of being in church and all that, you just, it just was part of our life. We were super dedicated as a family to what happened, you know, which, which is great. You know, I, I, I'm always ex thankful and grateful that we were um, so much. So uh, on the other side of it, which there always is another side, I didn't really yes. know who I was. Who I was was practically given to me in a sense in the way to believe and the way to see the world. It wasn't of my own choosing. Mm. So when did it become, when did it start to become of your own choosing? You know, it, it actually started bit by bit, which was, and there's different phases of it. There was the choosing of, that happened once I was in, like toward the end of my high school, career, if you will, uh, as a high school student, I, I, I actually stopped going to my parents' church where everyone else went. And wow. I decided to choose for myself to start going to another church that I thought was, you know, resonated more with me. And, you know, it was part of, you know, it, it, I, I just resonated so much with what was going on there in the community and everything. And, uh, and so when I joined there, as I started to notice the reactions of other people, <laughs> when I did that, it was like, whoa, okay, this was probably not the best move, but I did it. And, but that was to my choosing. Um, and then that kind of started this devotion that went into college years to where when I got to college, I hooked up with other people that were like that. 
and that we're going to church by choice and we're, you know, looking to serve and do things in the community. And so I got really involved in that on the college end too. So that was also, I guess, you know, a choosing, but I was choosing what I, what I believed, you know, I was trying to make what I had understood and grew up with and what I had, I was, I was believing in that. And so much so that I was uh, in college evangelizing, right? I wasn't necessarily going to the parties, but I'm like, we're outside of the parties, you know, trying to talk to people about God on their way to the party. Um, wow. You know, I uh, I got uh, my master's in theology just because, like, oh I my goodness, I didn't. More. Wow, that just adds a whole nother layer. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I got married to the only man I'd ever been with. Wow. So believing, you know what I mean? And and it was my choosing, but I was choosing what I was given to believe. And it wasn't until I got to Philadelphia, which I, at that point I was away from my immediate family, that I then made the choice kind of to not go to church anymore. That was a big choice. <laughs> and that was a scary choice to an extent, but I did it. Uh, I didn't really feel at the time that I needed to follow this pressure. That's what I felt. I was away from home. And the first thing was, oh, go find a, find a church home. Like the first thing you need to do along with finding a banker and a mechanic and whatever, find a church home. And it just was this pressure to do it. And after a while, I started questioning, why do I feel this pressure? What difference does it really make? I have closer connection with, you know, with God, you know, when I'm by myself and outside in nature than I am with a bunch of people, you know, sometimes. So it's things like that that just started to open me up and have me to question a little bit more. So each of those phases, I would say, were, they were part of my choosing. Um, But eventually I started to choose for my belief, you know what I mean? Like to choose that for myself and what I believe as opposed to believing what I was told to believe. I choose what I choose to believe, you know what I mean? It's a different way of, I guess, living (laughs) altogether. I feel like I want to explore that a little bit more because I think it's a really interesting distinction that's easily glossed over, you know, because we are, you know, we are aware of the choices we make and we have a choice and, you know, but it's like, you know, with me, with um, my exploration with non-monogamy, when I got first, when I was first married, there was no choice. I didn't even, there was no choice. So like you could say I chose to get married, but I didn't, I wasn't aware there was another choice to not get married or I, w- I wasn't aware there was another choice to have, you know, multiple men that are, and women that I loved at the same time. Like there just, there was no awareness of any other possibility, you know? And so like with my daughter, what, what I know for sure is that she will making a conscious choice with whatever, whoever and whoever she chooses to share her life with. And if she chooses to get married or not, or whatever, at least she'll know that there was, there's options <laughs> because she's seen now that there are options. And how would you play more with that distinction you're making uh, for people that are listening around the difference between making a choice and then choosing what to believe? I think it's uh, the way that I see it is that there's a difference between believing something and knowing something. Oh, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. The things that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, it's second nature. You don't think twice about it. There's no doubt whatsoever in the things that you know to be true for yourself. So what I'm suggesting is that, or the difference really is that, you know, the things that you, that you believe, if there's doubt in it, you really don't know it to be true. It's a belief, you know, it's, it's nothing concrete, but the more that we can convert the things that we believe or that we've been taught to believe, test them, you know, see if they can be known to be true 
for yourself because it's your experience and not what someone told you. Beautiful. That's just I, that's how I see it. And I've, I've seen it uh, in, in other ways too, because I used to teach high school. So when I taught high school at the beginning of the school year, we get our roster for all of the students that are going to be in our class. And sometimes we as teachers might know some names or whatever, and there's conversations about who has who and what in their class. And I remember sharing my roster with somebody and they said, oh, well, you got so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh my gosh, you're going to have a horrible third block. Like that's, they're insane. Their, their parents are this. And that like just kind of gave me the whole breakdown of how I should be concerned and look out for this kid. And I get to the class and they are probably like one of my star students over time. <laughs> and that's because I chose to actually like give them a chance to give them grace and to come from another place. And, and that kind of transformed their experience to where they don't like the other teachers, but they seem to like me a lot more <laughs> for whatever reason. But, you know, I, it's just, you know, I think that that's kind of, that's, that's what makes a, a difference. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't take your word for what you say, because that's, that's only your experience. That does not, that's not my experience and it doesn't have to be mine. So the more things that we can kind of convert over into things that we know for to be true for ourselves we'll have way more confidence in life, you know, period, and way more clarity, you know, and uh, we can stand firm in what we believe and we'll start to, and, and we'll know them and we'll attract the things in our life that reinforce that knowing. And that's a really powerful way to live. Yes. And we will attract things that reinforce that knowing. So I wrote down, you know, on one side, there's believing something. And if, the, if there's doubt with it, then that's a belief. And then there's knowing something for yourself, that's certainty. And in the middle is the testing, testing that belief till it gets to be the knowing. And then, uh, then I wrote down, once you're in the knowing, then you do see, you get more reinforcements for your knowing and that that sort of cements it and creates more confidence. So. Exactly. I love that. That's exactly Parshal Tashi's uh, formula for, for certainty. <laughs> For certainty, there we go. <laughs> uh, it's so true because how, how, how much of our lives are we living off of, you know, what we've been told to believe about a circumstance, about a situation, about a person. The media plays a big role in that too. And I'm not going to go down that road, but it's just, it's just an example, right? It's yes. forming our beliefs for sure hold doubt. We don't know that to be true for ourselves and our own personal experiences. So why should I go with, with that? I need to formulate my own knowing and my own belief. You know, that's what, it, and it just puts you in a more position, you know, in a position of more control as well, you know, to where you can't be easily manipulated by whatever comes your way. If I say, yes. Hey, the sky really is purple. And you're like, um, no, I know it's blue because I can see it. You're crazy. You know, you can, do, <laughs> you can start to really, you can wiggle through the crap, you know, you can wiggle through the stuff that's being thrown at us and say, you know what, that's not true for me. I'm writing down wiggle through the crap because I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. You, it's true. Oh, yeah. my kid said something profound the other day. We were talking about, I don't even remember what we're talking about. So out of context, it's even more, more interesting. She said, you know, if adults would just not share what they believe with kids, we, the kids would be better off. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. 
<laughs> she's just like, why did that they should so just true. not talk to us? I think it was more like that. Like they should, they should just not talk to us. We would be better off. It was something like that. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I, I know oh, for yeah. me, I am so mindful, so mindful of what I say and what I share. And um, like to the, I'm just, I'm just like a, a real fierce steward to what I, ha- what I say to my kid. And so, you know, it's paying off, I think, because I think she's really formulating her own opinions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's so true. And so here you are now, you moved to Philly um, with your husband, your then husband, right? And, you know, you needed to, you know, find a dentist and find a, you know, new place to market and find a new church family. And um, because that's what you were told, right? That's what you do. And so, um, and, and your husband was the only man that you had, you had ever been with. So, you know, there's a, a closed system here in terms of, of the relationship and, and you're teaching high school at the time in Philly. Uh, well, no, by that point I was full-time in my business. So, all right. So we got, so I definitely want to talk about that transition. So yeah, let's talk about that transition from, from, from teaching to where you are now. Cause I feel like I don't know where that falls in with the, with the, the, the journey oh, with yeah. religion, but I feel like there's some good stuff there. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, um, so I, you know, in, in the same way, you know, I, I, we didn't have very many entrepreneurs in our family, so we knew to go get a job, you know, go to school, get a job. <laughs> so that's what I did. And uh, I became a math teacher and I was doing that, but uh, it was really interesting that first year that I started teaching, somebody had reached out to me and had asked me, uh, well, Parshall, I saw you did some video and graphics for these people over here. You know, how much would you charge to do it for me? And this, like, I'm like a deer in headlights, like what? Like I can charge to do this? (laughs) Since I was 13 years old, I've been behind the computer trying to make things look better. So as I mentioned, I grew up in church and they had these uh, little flyers that they wanted us to hand out. These, uh, you know, you remember Microsoft where it had the 3D text and all that with the little clip yes. art images. <laughs> Horrible. I was like, this, something's not right about this. It should look way better. So that's what got me on the computer, just wanting to be creative and make things better um, to really spread what we're trying to do. We want people to come to church. Yes, we want people in the community to come and have food or whatever. I think it should look a little bit better than this and people might come. That was kind of my belief. And so I started just jumping on the computer and I learned how to do a lot of stuff, websites, logos, flyers, and of course, video. And when somebody asked me about, uh, and and I was doing all this for free, community groups in my college groups, I just did it because it was fun. And once somebody asked me that, uh, now that I'm working full time, I thought, oh, this will be great. I can do this to make some extra money. So that's literally what started my quote unquote business. And uh, from there, I, I was the one woman show. I was doing all the video work. So showing up with the lights and the camera and all that stuff and handling everything from weddings to events, I took any opportunity I could. Um, while you were teaching full time. While I was teaching full time. I also ended up joining a coaching group and all this, you know, during that time and was able to, I ended up making as much as I was doing video as I was teaching. And I knew that there was an opportunity that I could do more, but I committed to myself that I still wanted to be involved with teenagers somehow. But uh, nevertheless, I took the route and I started, you know, it's a one woman show, right? Now full-time doing this and started my company. Um, And this is while I was still in Virginia. So uh, I did that and then I quit. (laughs) I quit teaching because that's the opportunity that was there. 
Um, and did you have a lot of people in your later, life saying that you were crazy for quitting teaching? Like, did you have uh, opposition uh, to that? Yes. Or? Yeah, there, there was a lot of opposition. I mean, you know, f starting with my family, first and foremost, I mean, my parents were sure concerned about, you know, going in that direction and doing something. And I did make a ton of mistakes, <laughs> uh, but you know, it just is part of my story, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of concern. A lot of people that were like, you know, you're leaving your, your benefits and you're leaving your, your job and your security to do this. And I just, I just, I just kept going with it. I knew that it was something, I knew that there was something to it and the freedom aspect of, being my own boss, so to speak, really started to appeal to me more and more. And uh, so I took the leap and I did that. And within a year, I had the opportunity, someone was interested in buying my company and wanted me to move to Philly to work wow. with them. So, um, so I did move to Philly. My husband and I moved to Philly. And, and then once we got there, that partnership didn't go as planned, but then I still had my business. And at this point, I was running the company from two locations because I decided to stay in Philly. So that's kind of like how that went. But by this point, I had team members. I had other people that were coming alongside of me to help with setting up equipment or filming or whatever. I took more of a business role and really started to grow the company. So that's kind of how it kind of started. So high school teacher to quitting teaching, doing video, one woman show to you know working with some really really great brands uh, in multiple locations across the country it's pretty crazy wow that's so awesome and i love how you said you've always been behind the screen since a kid trying to make things look better and i know my kid actually you know i introduced you to my nephew before we started rolling which was a really fun he's um, into film and my daughter's actually more into graphic design and so okay. I, and I, I, I could, I like how you characterize it because I think that really characterizes her. She's always like, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, they're using that font and there's this and, you know, she's, she's always like, yeah, she has the, an aesthetic that she, you know, that she, that she appreciates. And so it's going to be fun to see, you know, where she goes with that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and leaving, you know, I, the thing that jumps out at me from your story is just that idea of security. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, you know, what the fuck is security, you know, because it's <laughs> such an illusion, right? And it's like, the job gives you security. Does it really, <laughs> you know, maybe when you're a teacher, because they have that, that uh, tenure thing, but, but that, that's, if you define security as money, essentially, right, you define security as benefits and money. You know, but really what is, you know, I've been really exploring this lately because it's just not okay with me to have external things be my security. It's just not okay anymore. You know, I, I want to create and be and connect with my own security and that feeling of security out, you know, uh, outside of anything that, you know, I don't have control over essentially, you know, but then of course, you know, and my belief system is that, I will then get it, you know, that if I look for it within and connect from it within um, and know what that feels like, and then I'm, then I will get the external. So that word security just really jumped out at me with what, when your story. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. The security from within, that is, that is the epitome of security. <laughs> it's the only thing that is that, that, you know, that is, that exists and has no sense of time. You know what I mean? It's complete as it is with literally no effort. It is naturally perfect. That's what's inside of us. <laughs> that is secure. Totally. <laughs> the other things that are happening outside are just a reflection of what's inside. You know what I mean? Like we have the opportunity to change the reflection when we change ourselves first. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so you gave up your quote unquote security um, as a teacher and started your full-time video business. Now you're bi-coastal and I'm from Jersey, which is why I'm saying Philly. I think if you're, you know, you're from the East coast, you, you say Philly. <laughs> and I actually, I, I went to college right across the bridge in, um, in Southern New Jersey in Lawrenceville, which is like the city when I was, you know, I was in college, the city quote unquote was Philly. Um, even though I, mm -hmm. where I grew up um, in New Jersey, the city was New York. So, because Jersey is really long for those of you that don't know. <laughs> so, okay. And so we're about to get to the part where lots changes or that you choose, right? You choose, you get to a different knowing as we've been talking about with regards to your religion. And then, you know, there's sort of a cascade effect from there. So sh share what happens mm -hmm. next. Yeah. So I'm in Philly. Um, I decide to not go to church anymore. And this was a really big change. Like I said, there was even more opposition to this decision, <laughs> um, yes. especially again from my family. But, uh, but I knew that it was right. And I knew that I wanted to just, just, just open myself to something else, open myself to something more because what I was seeing, it wasn't making sense to me. It just wasn't making sense. And uh, so anyway, uh, let's see, at this point, you know, I stopped going to church started becoming more open or coming across, if you will, now attracting, if you will, information that's going to help me to expound. And so I came across The Secret. I watched The Secret on Netflix. And that's what, and, and that point I was like, wait a minute. Wow. Like this is very similar to what we've learned in the Bible. This is just, just a different way of saying it. And I started to kind of notice those parallels. And from there, I started listening to other cultural centers or spiritual centers that were just different, right? And it just bit by bit, I just started to learn and just wanted to just to explore more of what I was sensing, what I was beginning to understand um, to be true. The other parts that started to unfold with this, again, attracting, right? Now that I'm starting to challenge these things, I'm attracting and reinforcing what I'm starting to know. And, um, and bit by bit, things happened, good and bad, that, uh, that propelled me in that direction. Uh, one was moving to California. So my husband at the time has a son that lives in, in San Diego, and we wanted to be in closer proximity to him. So we thought, you know what, let's, let's make it happen. Let's do it. So we uh, sell a lot of things, <laughs> uh, pack up our U-Haul, and we drive cross-country from Philly to San Diego. This was August of 2017. And so we get to, we, we land in, in California and I'm loving it. Everything is just wonderful. We're figuring things out. Uh, but then on one night on the way back from our storage unit, you know, my husband and I are having a little rift about something, right? Like couples usually do. And he says, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. And I'm like, and you're, and he said, I'm at a crossroads. And I'm like, you mean like at the stoplight here or like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And <laughs> he was talking about our entire marriage, which we've been together at that point for 10 years together. I think seven years married by that point that he didn't want to be married anymore. And I'm like, and this happened. So we moved there August of 2017. This happened October of 2017. Wow. And so, so um, he was keeping some feelings inside. He was keeping some feelings inside. <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> or, or whatever, uh, or coming to his own realization, who knows, but he said that, and that's kind of where things got real because at that point, you know, being married, you know, is a big deal, at least something to hold on to in terms of your identity and what it means to be a woman and 
all these things and uh, to have acceptance and whatnot with your family because you're married and things that you can say and, and all that. And so I, uh, you know, that, that was really, really tough because now it was like, well, who am I kind of thing? And that's what really started to open up even more questions. And, and actually that event itself, I have so much gratitude for now. Initially, it really pissed me off to think about because it was like, what kind of timing this guy is working on, I don't get. But, <laughs> yes. uh, but besides that, I really started to see like, had he not done that, you know, had he not spoken up, you know, in whatever way he needed to, because I know that in some ways it was needed for him also. But had he not spoken up, I wouldn't have got, you know, wouldn't explored more of who I am as a, as a human, as a spiritual being. Um, and also as a sexual being, right? None of those things would have opened up Patty not because that was all I knew. And I would have more than likely continued and been married to him to this day <laughs> had he not done it just out of my sense of loyalty and tradition and things that I knew to do correctly uh, or that were the right thing to do. So, because divorce was another big no-no in our, you know, in my community and, and how I grew up. And so it, it was a lot that just kind of started to crumble at that point, but at the same time was exactly what needed to happen. Cause I was, that's what I, that's what I was asking for. So that just started to evolve. And, you know, now I'm like considering myself as a single person now and <laughs> all this stuff. And uh, it just, it was a completely new experience and it just really opened me up to more of knowing who I am, you know? So it, that, that was the big uh, discovery on the other side of that, that really pushed me to even more deep self-discovery. Yes. Gosh. I know I, there it's, it's really beautiful when we get to the to that place where we look back on events that felt really shitty at the time and we could be grateful <laughs> and we're like so so grateful for those so those events cuz it pushed us it broke us it gifted us with something yeah so we thank him yeah. <laughs> we salute him we yes, thank him i thank him yeah every, every day every, every chance i get thank you and so you wound up at what point did you really make a decision to to leave the church? As, as you say, you say you ended your 28-year-long devoted relationship with the church. Yeah, that was, that was when, when I was in Philly. Okay. That's okay. When, that's when it, it just really, I just put a kind of drew the line in the sand kind of thing to say, okay, this is, this is what's going to happen at this point. You know, I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to do this anymore. It was, uh, and, and the other side of it too is like church can be very political once you're inside and once you're part of a church and a lot of things that happen. So I just, I just noticed a lot of patterns that I just didn't want to repeat. And the patterns were, it usually would go like this. Uh, my husband and I join a church. Um, we're there getting to know a few people. And then, you know, they come to understand that I do video and marketing and he's a musician. So we're like your VIP couple <laughs> to join any church just because of what we can contribute. Ah, what to you the can contribute. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So it, and so it, it became, you know, really, really challenging to be seen that way in a place where you just want to be and, and, and for your spiritual life and, and growth to not really be what's priority. What's more priority is what you can do for the church. And I, I get it. And I, I understand I mean, it, you know, they're an organization, they need talent, they need support, um, but it just was a common thing for us. And then after a while, it becomes uncomfortable. <laughs> after yes. a while, it would just become something else because out of our heart to want to help and to be there and to be consistent and to be faithful was never matched with, uh, for whatever reason, what we felt um, represented that kind of sacrifice. 
not about you know receiving anything not about that but just the effectiveness of what happens within the church and how they treat people and how things like that would happen and just became something that eventually you don't feel excited about yes and you're, <laughs> and, you're wanting and we, to receive we as a yeah and 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 we as a couple had done that plenty of times in plenty of churches and so at this point we're in philly and we're like I don't want to, you know, it's going to be the same thing. Right. You'd be at what I'm hearing you say is like, it would be adding something to your plate. Like it'd be adding more responsibility versus like in a place where you'd be like receiving, you know, and yeah. getting something from it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I just knew that there had to be a better balance about it. And I didn't know what that meant, but I knew it didn't mean yeah. going and becoming a member of another church, given yeah. everything that we had, you know, had, had gone through. Well, and now hearing your story about what happened in August 2017, after you moved to San Diego, I feel like that was your first, I'm going to say breakup. Like it, that was your, like, a, like empowerment, like a breakup, but like a, like, no, like your first, like, no, <laughs> this isn't working, you know? And that was huge. Like if almost like that breakup had to happen before the breakup with your husband to then create the cascade. Um, yeah, a lot of breaking up. That's what I think. We're, you know, that's that's like the path to uh, whatever. You just break up with parts of yourself. So <laughs> you true. You oh my gosh. <laughs> Several breakups. <laughs> yes. Okay. Several so breakups. yeah. So for this last segment here, I would love for you to share something that I know you haven't shared. Like, you know tons of wide, you know, it's not like central in your bio. It is something that you shared where I met you. And, and that is about the transformation in your sexuality. And, you know, this show is about straight talk and confessions. And I know it would really help my listeners to hear that part of your story. Yeah, absolutely. So, so growing up, it's like I said, you know, being in church and knowing what's right and what's appropriate. Um, I always expressed very much as a tomboy growing up. But uh, as I started to get older and, you know, we had to wear dresses to church. I mean, that was just how it was. And so, you know, eventually just, just do it. And then as I got older, I just kind of gave into it, you know? So if anybody looks through back to some, some pictures, you know, I'm dressed more professionally and more uh, feminine, if you will. But, um, but this, this discovery for me and what's kind of unfolded is me just appreciating just who I am. Like, that's how I feel right now. Um, yes, I, and, and, and I don't necessarily choose to usually identify as anything. That's usually pretty difficult for me. But one term that I think might help people understand a little bit about my expression is that I am a woman of masculine center. That's mm. what the, the term has kind of came about as to where, you know, I don't want to be a man. I don't choose, you know, nothing that I, I'm a woman. I'm very happy and proud to be a woman. I think we're the most powerful beings on the planet sometimes, but, uh, but I'm, I'm proud to be a woman, but there's just the way that I show up and I express myself that I just feel more comfortable as, and, you know, that might reflect itself in how I dress or how I, you know, show up or whatever. It's just, that's just how I express. It's from that, from that side. I don't know why, but it just is. And I really like it <laughs> because it's comfortable <laughs> and it feels like me. And so that breakup with my husband at the time is really, really big, like I said. And I always hold a space of gratitude for that because had I not had, I not had that experience and gone through that, I wouldn't really know what, what it means to be in love for real, which is what I can proudly say that I am now. You know, the love that I had with my husband, it was 
we're really, we're, you know, we're still, we're, we're good. We're okay. We're, we're really good friends. And I think that the purpose of us being together was to come out of our holes of religion together. We were that support for each other. But the love of like your true love, the only way, I, the only reason I can say that that wasn't there is because I feel it now. <laughs> wow. I'm like, whoa, like this is what this is supposed to be like. And um, so I can see the difference, you know, in the two. I still have appreciation for it, but had that not happened, I wouldn't know what it means to really and truly uh, love and to be loved with someone to where you can fully be yourself, fully be present with each other and, uh, and grow together and know why you're together and talk about it all the time and, you know, marvel every day at like, dang, how do we get, how, how do we find each other? This is crazy, you know, conversations like that. So that's that's my experience and uh you know that's that's part of my unfolding which was very which was not easy either to uh to come about because she and I were friends so I moved to San Diego my husband and I split up uh I move out of you know of our apartment and and now at this point I have a new friend that I hang out with at the gym when we go play pickleball together and we were just friends that's all it was just friends I had no clue of anything else because I just I never went there in my mind Right. You know, I knew that I could emotionally attach and really be close with people, but anything of the sexual nature or, you know, coming together as a couple never crossed my mind at all. And so she ended up sitting me down one day and telling me that she has feelings for me. And I'm like a deer in headlights, like, no way, get out of here. This is crazy. I didn't know what to say. I think I left and sent her this long professional text message of, <laughs> I don't want our friendship to be affected. And, you know, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes. I really don't know. This is too, you know, it just was so conflicted. And not, and right after that, I went on my first trip outside of the country to Thailand. So while I'm in Thailand, she's the only person I'm thinking about sharing all exciting stuff about. So, you know, we continue to talk while I'm in Thailand. And then once I get back, we're officially together. That's kind of how, how it all came about. Then Three weeks later, she calls me one day, I'm out to lunch, and she asks, uh, she says, you know what, I got some tickets to go to Thailand like months ago, like a year ago. And she said, uh, I, I have one pulled up right here. She says, I'm nervous, but I can't see myself going without you. And I never travel with people ever. But if you're down, I, you know, let's, let's make it happen. So let me know in the next 20 minutes if you want to go to Thailand minutes. with me. <laughs> let me know if you want to go in the next 20 minutes. Uh, to Thailand with me, you know, and it would think, I think we were going to be leaving within the next month and it was going to be, we were going to be gone for three weeks. So I said, yes. And the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll be uh, celebrating two years this next month. So yeah. Exciting. Oh my God. That's so awesome. I got the chills. I got the chills multiple times in that story. Oh my gosh. Really? I, yes, I did. Like when she, you know, she sits you down after you're this friend that you go to the gym with and you're completely clueless that it could be anything else. And then she sits you down and tells you how she has feelings for you. You just must've been like, are you speaking English? Like I'm not even understanding what you're saying. Like it's so It was not like in your... alien talk. Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. It, it is, it, you know, in my experience around, I remember Nam and Nagmi, I remember driving up the road one day saying to myself, I love two men. 
I love two men. I love two men at the same time. I'm in love with, it's as if you can't love more than one person, which sounds, just sounds so ridiculous, you know, yeah. in a bigger context, but it just, it was just like, I, I just was like, it was like a, you know, like a robot having a short circuit, you know, kind of moment. So, you know, I, I get, I get that, you know, and, and, and I have had experiences with women in our non-monogamy journey and it's nothing that I ever, you know, thought about it. I wasn't one of those gals in college who experimented or anything like that, you know? So um, it's really, it's such a beautiful gift that you gave yourself to allow for all possibility, you know, and to not let the fact that this person was a woman, <laughs> right? Like keep you from loving. And so I just really acknowledge that and, and just want to celebrate it. Oh, thank you. It's definitely been probably the most exciting aspect of my, you know, of my life recently in terms of, I guess you could say uh, a reward, if you will, for taking off those layers of myself. Yes. And so we can say that. I think it's like now, it's yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it feels, it feels like a reward, you know? And I think that that's what the, you know, what God, the universe wants to give us, wants to give us what we, what we want. Um, and the more clear we do get on it, you know, <laughs> the better, it'll, you know, the more likely it'll come about. And for me, I just feel like I'm in this groove where I'm looking, okay, what can I take off next? <laughs> love that. That's what the GFR uh, or, or what mission. can come off next. Yes. I mean, I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm like totally talking over you because I'm like, yes, that's GFR, you know, like that is. And, and I've been talking lately more and more because I have more, more and more clarity and knowledge about the, the benefits of confessing. And that's, you know, essentially where, you know, the, the benefits of getting real, the benefits of speaking the truth, the benefits of, you know, just opening up our minds to possibilities and there is such solid rewards on the other side, I believe, and I've seen. Always, so, always. always. So in this last piece, I want to give people an insight as to how all of this taking off these layers has impacted your work, your mission, you know, your uh, professional life. Yeah. Could you share with us about that? Like how it kind of, how you could see sort of it's all served you to get to where you are now. Yeah, it's uh, one thing for sure is that as I start to peel off these layers and start to see myself for who I really am, it's like my conversation changes with people. Um, I'm able to say no, <laughs> you know, nice. when it comes, you know, because it, there's, a, there's more clarity. I don't want to do that. That doesn't serve where I'm going. Um, it just, it's more confidence. There's more clarity. And uh, that's been the biggest components that have just gotten mixed in more and more as I've taken on just different things. And so um, that started with, you know, leading a team and growing the, you know, and doing what I've been doing and some other aspects too, it's opened me up to more of my strengths and capabilities around being a, a creative person and being a good teacher. And so in that, you know, now I'm for now starting a, and starting with what I can, which is doing some training through an online class for teenagers to show them how to make videos. <laughs> and uh, that's one aspect that I'm doing that's been really great. And uh, the other aspect that I'm doing is just really around consulting and helping other people. And so both of those entail, you know, this sense of confidence and clarity that's needed more and more. And so the more I just tear off, tear those things off of myself, uh, it's, it's increased that. And it's increased my ability to connect with people 
because I know that I'm really no different than anybody else and that we, we've all got some layers to come off of us. And so I, I just feel more of a sense of connectedness with everybody, my, uh, my students, as well as my clients. And I think that that's made a big difference in, you know, how, how people can be better by being around me or how they can be better by partnering with me in some way. That's, you know, that, that's a really fulfilling feeling just to know that in some way, just by somebody being around or being connected with me in some way, they get more clarity, they get more confidence, they're gonna take the next step, they're gonna try something they never tried before. That, those things are really cool and uh, I get excited about the most <laughs> uh, when I think about you know, how I've taken these things off and how it's affected my professional end. Yes, oh, I love that. I love, I love how you said that, how people could be better by being around me. I just, yeah. I love that. And you, and you were saying that in, in the context of like the benefits of taking up the layers is being able to connect with people more. And that part of that connection is seeing that people, how people are better or can be better from being around you. And I just, I think that's a beautiful thing to claim. You know, when I think about it too, I, I know that, you know, I know, I know that about myself, you know, I see that about myself um, but I think everybody, like, I think everybody could, if everybody looked to see how people are better from being around them, I don't know. I feel like it, it, yeah. it shifts our, con it shifts our context of, of, of connection and the, the purpose of connection and, and how we relate to each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of think of it like, um, which is what I've been learning through a program recently and just, uh, expanding on that thought is, the fact that like we're all individual cells in this really big body and the cells that are contributing and, you know, really performing well for the body to the best that they can. Uh, they're the ones that receive the most nutrients. They're the cells that receive the most, whereas cancer cells that, you know, or, or cells that aren't doing as well, they end up getting, you know, uh, not, not getting the resources they need, right. They're not a contributing part to the whole. And so I just see myself as that part of the whole. What can I do to, to serve the rest of the body the best that I can? And by virtue of me doing that, the body's gonna support me and feed me what I need to keep doing that better. So I think it's a really good sort of testing or, or sort just to, to look around the people that you're connecting with, who, you know, who, who's benefiting by your presence, you know what I mean? And how, how we can gauge that, um, I think it's really important. I love that. I love that. Parshel, this has been such an awesome conversation. So divinely timed. Um, I know we're going to close out this part of the interview and then we're going to do a, a bonus segment that's, you know, really addressing the happenings that are happening, you know, in our country around race and all, all of that whole topic. And we're calling it, what can I do no matter who you are? And so I'm excited to have that conversation with you after this one. And thank you for your courage to, to keep taking off those layers and claiming what you know and following the evidence because I could see the beautiful impact that that, that has had to like add on really good and yummy layers that are who you are and how you're serving. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be in your orbit. <laughs> Yay. Excited to be in yours too, women. You're awesome. Thank you. Bye for now. 
Wow, that was such a great conversation. And right from there, we recorded a video called What Can I Do No Matter Who You Are that addresses what you can do to take a stand for anti-racism. And it's just such a great training. And, you know, honestly, I, I wish that I could have released it wider. Like, I don't mean to like keep it secret that for only members. It's just that it, it's such a sensitive topic. And um, Parshel and I decided that we really needed to share it with a curated group. So it, if you know you're supposed to be part of this curated group, the GFR squad, please go ahead and join. Um, I would love to meet you, spend more time with you, GFR with you. We have a monthly call. We call it our confession call. And we take one of the commandments each month and we focus on that confession question. So like last month was, what am I tolerating? And that goes with GFR commandment number one, don't compromise. And so people that want to confess to the group do, some people just hang back and some people just put it in the chat, but it's, it's, it's a great vibe to be in. If you're wanting to get more real in your life, if, you've, if you're wanting to be more unapologetically you, join the squad and put some skin in the game. We'd love to meet you. And then we'd love to have you um, take part in the training that Parshall and I did about what you can do no matter who you are when it comes to standing for Black Lives and all the beautiful illuminations that are happening right now. Also, I want to let you know that Parshall has an awesome course for teens who are interested in learning more about video. Specifically, they address creating a YouTube channel, but also just how to create videos, the structure. Um, you can check it out at myvideoplaytime.com forward slash teen, and they do it every month. So no matter when you're hearing this, hopefully it'll keep going. And if not, there's something else there for you to direct your teen towards. But she is an amazing teacher, former math teacher, and uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> she must be uh, just a really fun uh, video teacher as well. And so that's a wrap on this episode of the GFR show. I hope you will join us subscribe if this is your first time playing with us here would love for you to subscribe so you don't miss any of these really inspiring stories if you are an entrepreneur who feels like your business is a mission like you are being called to a specific purpose and you feel like it's not always easy and that oftentimes it's hard earned with some struggle along the way you are in the right place and possibly could help you to have a steady diet of these inspirational stories. So go to Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play, Spotify, any of the places where podcasts are aired. And you can search me up at Get and Real or GFR and subscribe so we can stay in touch. Thank you for hanging with me. And I'm honored to have you listening to the show.